Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous. Together we are finding joy in the journey of life. This episode we have Kimberly Snodgrass with us and we are talking about taking a leap from the unit size game to a full year game. Uh, Kim, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, hi, Michael. I'm Kim Snodgrass, and this is my first year-long game. I'm a seventh-grade language arts teacher at a mid-sized school in Nebraska, and I'm really excited to be here with you again. Yeah, excited to have you back on the show. For those of you that hadn't caught Kim's original sort of two episodes, uh, you should definitely check those out. But if Kim could sort of give us a brief overview of the game you're moving from so that we can kind of understand the roots here. Okay. Well, last year, my co-teacher and I were kind of brainstorming ideas on how we could make test prep a little bit more enticing, I guess. And just through um, some conversations and I had read Teach Like a Pirate and then I followed it up with Explore Like a Pirate, even though at the time I was like, whoa, what does this mean? I don't even, (laughs) I don't even quite understand what I'm reading. Um, We decided to just kind of give it a shot. And now that I know more, it's kind of embarrassing how we did it the first time, but the kids didn't know any different. So they loved it. And it was just, it was just a really cool experience to watch them not even realize that they were learning and, uh, just the classroom dynamics change and so many things that were just really cool. So we decided to bite the bullet and make it a year long game. So before we move on to your year long game, do you have any like bits of advice for people that are going to start, you know, their one unit maybe this year? Yeah, I would say just dive in. Like most of the stuff we did, we didn't really have planned out. We just kind of day to day would plan and say, okay, let's give it a shot. And we changed the rules quite a bit. And there were a lot of components we didn't, um, or mechanics we didn't have, you know, integrated into our game that are this year. And I think that'll really keep them hooked for the whole year as opposed to we were kind of struggling towards the end of our quarter game, like, because there was an obvious leader in the game. And I think there was just a lot of things, but when you don't know, the kids don't know, and they're just eating it up because it's so much different than just sitting and getting information dumped at them. So they're like active and involved in it. And it's unlike anything they've experienced before. And so, of course, they're going to just think it's cool and they love it. Yeah. You, so you mentioned there a, kind of a few things that I think are really good takeaways for the new gamifier. So one, not worry so much of having it all planned out and sort of just throwing yourself into the experience, get the ball moving. Uh, and then the other one that you talked about was, you know, having having sort of a runaway leader problem, which uh, you know, the the bigger your game is, the longer it is, the more you have to pay attention to that. And yeah, there there are lots of little things you can do, lots of little tricks you can do. Uh, one that I always suggest is sort of hiding a certain portion of the experience points. So for me, all my badges are worth some amount of points, but I don't put that on the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has a little bit of a fog over who's winning. I mean, you can see on the public leaderboard that you know so and so is winning. But then I kind of remind them all that there's this huge portion of points that are going to come in at the end. Uh, yeah, I think looking back, there's a couple things for sure that if you're just diving in, you need the team component. I think that's huge. 
Um, and then just like what you said, so I think the second time that we do it, we're going to be a little bit more mysterious about our points. And even within our mini games, not always put the points out there, have like a secret sheet that has how much everything is worth and just kind of keep the mystery a little bit for them. And we didn't so much have chance involved in our game last year. And so we've talked a lot about how we're going to integrate that into the game this year, because it was just too fair. You know what I mean? And I think that for it to be engaging for a year long, there's got to be some um, just chance where you don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what they're going to draw, what they're going to roll um, that kind of thing. Yeah, that them. adds such a fun element when there's that like, ooh, that that epic moment where somebody that shouldn't win something wins something, or when that group that only has like two shots compared to the other group that has ten shots, but they make their two shots. Like, ooh, those are like those are the memory makers in a in a game or in a week. That's what gets talked about in the lunchroom, and all of those little components is what sort of makes. I don't know, makes a lasting experience for the students. Now, when you're talking about a lasting experience, I think um, I talked a little bit about how I read Teach Like a Pirate first, and I think room transformations kind of go hand in hand for me anyway with sure. the gamification thing. It's the experience that students have when you introduce a game and kind of make it like this huge deal. Is It's so fun to watch. Their eyes just like light up and... I, I usually try and videotape right when they walk in the room because it's just it's just a good energy booster when you go back and watch it. You're like, okay, this is why I'm doing that because their minds are blown. They've never in their whole educational experience had anything like that happen to them. For and, those of you that haven't seen like what Kim's talking about, like she's not talking about going to Target and getting a new lamp. Like she <laughs> that she literally transforms the entire room and it's a total different feel and vibe. Uh, and you usually do that how many times a year? Well, we do it for different things as far as like um, just mini, kind of like the mini games in a game, just mm -hmm. mini transformations um, throughout the year um, to promote reading just in fun ways. But for the game so far, just at the beginning of the game, but I think we're going to switch it up um, semester or who knows, but so maybe another one at semester. That's really cool. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun, but I'll have to get the link to you, but it's really fun to watch there. Oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And yeah. the kids are like, are we going to do this every day? And this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> and one student was like, do we have um, real class or we just play this game all year? And this girl that was in the class also, she's like, you silly, this is class. And I, it was just that comment kind of stuck with me. Like, they they don't even realize that they were learning content because they just were so... Yeah, they're so present and they're just enjoying their time. And yeah. when you kind of design an experience correctly like that, uh, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be like either you're learning or you're having fun. Mm -hmm. the, the two can coexist. And I think that's when students get lost in the learning. And it's kind of awesome as a teacher to stand by and watch that happen. Yeah. And I think people, when they hear gamification, it sounds really confusing or complicated, but it's just what you said. It's just kind of getting lost in your learning experience and having fun, um, making it joyful. I know you're all about like finding joy in the journey and that's just what it is. I mean, I think if I reflect and would I want to sit in my class today 
And if the answer is any shade of no, how could I make it more fun? And usually it involves some sort of play. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, being cognizant of that, like puts you well ahead of others. I mean, right. Like I think a lot of us live life on autopilot and just sort of go to class and, you know, we've done this year after year and I don't really have to lesson plan per se to get the content across. So, uh, I mean, I could, I could just show up and kind of teach my world history class pretty easy. So instead of going on autopilot, I use that sort of free brain power that I no longer have to use on the actual lesson plan or the content and can apply that to like making the class just kind of that extra bit. Yeah. I remember when I first went into teaching, this is like my third career, but one of the teachers at the school I was at said, you know, once you get the first year done, it's kind of smooth sailing because you can just keep repeating that. And I really have yet to repeat anything <laughs> um, year to year, not even the same materials, not even the same anything. So I can't imagine people that do that, that just year to year flip to the next page and that kind of thing. I think you have to keep it fresh or you're going to be bored too, or I would be anyway. I would agree. And I think the, the students would pick up on that sort of feel. So, but I think that's a perfect transition to if you haven't repeated year after year after year, <laughs> da, 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 like this year, you're choosing to up your game to a, a full year long game. Uh, well, I guess let's start like what is sort of the theme of your year long game? Okay. Well, you kind of mention it in your book. Like sometimes you might just need to start with a picture and that's kind of where it started for me. Uh, last year it was the end of the school year and I kind of had the idea in my head that I wanted to do a year long game. And I was sitting in a Friday assembly and this student walked by me and it just kind of clicked in my head who her dad was and that she was going to be in my class next year. And her dad just happens to be the Guinness world record holder for the world's longest maze. <laughs> and so just, you know, inspiration comes out of nowhere. So I was like, oh my gosh, I should see if he'll draw me a maze. You know, like that would be, I was thinking game board kind of thing. Like I could put different, you know, um, obstacles or tokens or just whatever along the maze. But so I, I reached out to him and he said, sure, you know, whatever you want. And so then throughout the summer, I kind of was thinking about it and I didn't want it to be like too girly of a theme, but not, I don't know, something that wasn't me or, you know, fake. And so just kind of one thing led to another and I was thinking, okay, well, this all kind of started with the pirate series, you know, if I want to teach like a pirate to explore like a pirate and, um, so I'm going to go with pirate because I think my co-teacher and I were talking and the theme kind of evolved. Like we could be the pirates. They can just have ships and we can kind of be trying to steal their treasure throughout the year and be the game masters that way. And so I mentioned to him about drawing that and he drew this unbelievable maze. It's pretty incredible. You too. Um, yeah, <laughs> he, his mind, the way it works is unreal this thing it's 48 by 60 inches tall so it's, it's huge and it's just really tiny little lines I was thinking he would draw like these huge things you know and so when he came in to bring it I was like so there is this like a workable maze and he goes yeah but you know once I do it I don't I know how to solve it <laughs> so my mind was kind of blown and 
I thought, okay, well, that's going to be part of our game, I guess, is trying to figure out how to get through this because there really is no answer key. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be it's just like anything. I haven't quite put all the pieces together, but I'm sure it'll it'll I, be integrated somehow. But the theme started with that picture. So yeah, but I think that that's you know another good tip. You know that again, just reinforcing that idea of it doesn't have to all be planned out. You you have this theme. You have a few core components. You went back to what you had in your original game, and that being teams. And they're teams. It sounds like are going to be these ships. So these ships are kind of what bonds the small groups together. Uh, there's lots of room for you to design things around that. You know, things they could maybe add to their ships or the places they could go. I mean, the theme's really wide open. So that's you have plenty of room to expand the game throughout the year and take many different twists and turns. So if, if you do sort of paint yourself into a corner, you can kind of change the rules up pretty quick with that. Yeah, I made sure to lay that groundwork. I was like, you know, the Hunger Games guys. Well, you know, somebody controls that game. Well, I am <laughs> I controlling am this game. <laughs> so watch out. But it how, was... how do you feel about that? Because I know a lot of teachers have questions. You know, they just want to get it so right. You know, like how much XP before you level up? Or like what should this quest be worth? You know, because you had the one game experience, do you feel more confident in in sort of moving into the black and not and not totally knowing where you're going? Absolutely not. Like, I think, well, kind of just the reverse of that. Uh, <laughs> last year, I had it too planned out, I think, you know? And, you know, this is, a gold is worth this much, a silver is worth this much, because we had an Olympic theme, you know? And uh, this year, I just want to keep it more random, like, this, so that they don't know what, it, what to expect all the time. Because then kids kind of got in the habit of, like, always trying to calculate um, if they were capable of winning or not capable of winning or getting up high enough. And we didn't have enough chance, like I said. So um, the ones that were high were always high and maybe it would fluctuate a little bit, but um, I want to keep it just more random. So it doesn't need to be planned out because you can just go with what feels right. So Nice. I, uh, yeah. I think your kids are going to like that sort of twist element uh, you know and you're used to doing those room transformations you know challenge yourself i guess to do a few game transformations along the way i do that with each unit i have um it's called an adventure path and it's different per unit so the kids kind of i guess that's the closest thing i have to a room tra transformation every unit when the new one comes out on my website I mean, they're eagerly anticipating like that section of my website opening up for them to dive in and look around and 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 see what the adventure path's about, see what quests are there, you know. But each unit presents a new opportunity for me to make a major game shift if I want. Your website is pretty incredible. My <laughs> co-teacher and I were looking at that, and I was like, "Well, here's some hopes for someday." Like. <laughs> This year, we just uh, learned how to make a little trailer commercial thing um, to intro our game. So I'm like, maybe next year we can tackle that. How do the kids like that? <laughs> oh, they they just thought that was kind of unbelievable that I did that, you know. And I was like, well, you just try something. And we talk a lot about growth mindset at the beginning of the year, too. So that was just a good lead in that, you know. I tried that and it worked and kids, I put it, you know, on YouTube just so it was easy if I was having internet problems or something getting mm -hmm. like 
the iCloud stuff going, but um, they always think it's cool to see if anyone has watched it or, you know, kids are all into like the YouTube channel stuff. And so I think that might be something that we incorporate too at some point is having like a little class channel, but so language arts, it's really easy to integrate, you know, speaking and listening and all that. So it's true. You use it in everything. So I was going to say with moving from the small game to the large game, you gave some tidbits of advice for the small game. Do you have some tidbits of advice, you know, for someone that's moving towards a larger game? Well, okay. Like I said, the, I think the, the transformation thing, just the onboarding experience is really key and it's, it's not a quick thing. Like we're still kind of in the onboarding that's experience. so so true like yeah you got to be patient you have to be patient just think vegas right the house always wins like you got you got to play the long game don't try to like walk them through every rule day one just no just understand they'll get the rules it'll happen they'll start to get the quests and more kids will do them that's we had our first quest kind of opportunity last week but again this is all new and what we thought we were doing correctly with quests after I like went back and referenced your book. I'm like, Oh my gosh, no, let's do, let's do that. Like have them create it, have them, you know, I love Alice Keeler's little quote that the person doing the work is the person doing the learning. And mm-hmm. so I think when we throw out, okay, here's, here's the whole process. You have to, you know, make this video and then you have to answer these questions and blah, blah, blah. That, they're just kind of going through the process. But if you make it more of like a constructivist, here you go, make, make a movie of something or make a um, postcard or. I try really hard to make my quests boil down to basically one sentence. Like, and I don't always achieve it, but kind of like you're saying, you know, make a map or make a radio show, an old time radio show. And I don't know, like when you leave that, amount of creative space the quest not only is rewarding for them but it, it's it's such a sense of empowerment and accomplishment when they get to the other side it's it's sort of a journey that they have to do either themselves or in their group and it's i don't know it's fun to watch it's fun to see them come in super excited to share it with you and but that only comes, I think, when, like you're saying, when they discover it and they're the ones that overcame those goals or or even created those goals in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Like in, in your book, there's just a ton of examples and we were just, you know, let's just pull a couple of these every week and give them like three choices and they can choose one or none or all of them. We made very clear it's not homework. This is like an above and beyond thing. And it's tied to XP, which they're going to want because we kind of came up with, like I told you, we just come up with things as we go. But we're like, if everyone in your ship does a side quest, your ship is granted immunity that week. Um, and we came up with Fateful Friday. So on Friday, side quests are due on Thursday. And Fateful Friday is on Friday. So any ship that is not does not have immunity is you know, up for compromise. And so maybe one of their players is going to a deserted island or maybe they have to swap players with somebody from a different team or maybe they lose all their points. Um, we're just going to decide how we're feeling that day and put you know cards in or roll die or 
just I love it. Whatever. So Fateful Friday, they're really worried about our first Fateful Friday, but we had to have some points build up before we could take them away. So that's cool. That's a neat mechanic, and uh, I kind of like your twist on on sort of the side quests, building and saving immunity, kind of encouraging the whole group then to sort of go on some. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, we. We're trying to, this year, last year it was all team stuff, and this year we're going to have individual points and team points. So um, we made a spreadsheet, and we're going to share it with the kids on Google Classroom so they can always view it, and they can view any class period just to, you know, they like to see where everybody is at Mm -hmm. standing-wise. But as far as Fateful Friday, what we're thinking right now is um, if everyone on your ship does the side quest, you're safe. if even your highest scoring player doesn't do the side quest, it puts your lowest scoring player as the one that has to draw the card or whatever for the fateful Friday. And that doesn't mean they're going to be the one leaving the ship or something, but the lowest scoring player, even if they did the side quest is going to have some, you know, fate happen, whether it's directly (sighs) to them or to their ship or whatever. So we're hoping that that, encourages them because in our um, wing we don't really assign homework ever so it's just what we can get done in class which I love the concept but you do kind of run into sometimes where you just can't get everything done in 42 minutes and you want to challenge them to take it further so I think the side quests we're really excited to give them that opportunity to take it further and a little incentive to do so. I think that that's really awesome and for people that are listening you know, I, I agree with Kim, like, I try not to assign too much homework, uh, but the side quests are just, I think, a really awesome way, because it's optional. There are so many students that when you present them that sort of right opportunity, or that opportunity that's just right for them, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, they want to do it. They want to learn. They want to grow, you know? They want to feel that sense of accomplishment and empowerment. So giving them those those menu choices and those options every week, something's going to click. And, and maybe it won't be first week with every student. Maybe it won't be the 50th week. Well, no, that would be a year. <laughs> maybe it won't be the like 15th week or whatever. But, you know, what I've seen over the years is as I give out all these various quests over the year, everyone sort of identifies with some of them. And it's kind of neat to see some of those kids click in who are, were a little more on the fringe, but now are just excited and pumped to, to do this quest. And, and typically after they do it, they're just, they're all in on the game and they, they kind of get reinvigorated. That was my favorite part with the team aspect is you end up with just kind of a random group of students. And this year I actually used Flippity, um, the day I did the room transformation, I just went in the hallway and they saw me do it. I pushed the button and I was like, okay, crew one is so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And And then they just lined up because I knew that we were going to have that element of switching teams up this year. Um, Not that we'll do it all the time, but just, and we won't rig the game necessarily, but if we see that there's somebody that needs, you know, maybe a new opportunity, um, to start fresh or something like that, we can. Well, I think you really like hit upon something there. Too. Like it's not rigging the game. Like you're just being a good game master. Cause I and always, a good teacher, I mean, yeah. well, yeah. And I always use the example of like Mario Kart that like that game is horribly unfair 
<laughs> it, it like constantly cheats for the like person that's in last place and it constantly like gives out sort of bad bonuses to the person that's in first or second uh but it does that i mean it's still a crazy popular game mm-hmm. it does that to remain to have the game remain tight so the people that are in first are still probably gonna win the game because their talent but like that last player that second to last player kind of feels like they just lost it like it's like oh man let's reload it instantly because i think i can get you next time you know you don't want such a widespread so if you as that game designer see that like ah we should probably move karen over here because that would just change things up dramatically yeah that's not rigging it that's just uh, that's that's true that's just a well-played game But they do, you know, kids that maybe in your regular classroom or if you have a gamified class and a non-gamified class, they might struggle, you know, with getting along with people or even just paying attention or whatever. But you add the element of gamification and it's, I'm not kidding, like last year behavior problems eliminated, like, um, you know, engagement increased because everyone kind of has their own niche. Like maybe I am really good at comprehension and they're really good at you know, creation or technology or whatever. And so you kind of, everyone had their strengths, but when they come together and you do stuff in their, you know, last year it was their Olympic country or whatever, but this year their ship, it was just really cool to see. But there were a few times where I wished like so-and-so is just kind of not able to shine over here. Like I think if they were over in this group, but we didn't have that built in last year. So it would have been like, well, why are you moving that person? You know, so we wanted to make sure we had, we had flexibility with that, so. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. So. Yeah, and I think that the kids moving around like that and like you constantly focusing on sort of the growth mindset as well as uh, sort of what I call asset-based thinking when they're really like walking through the kids, how everyone in your group, everyone on your ship brings something, a talent, you know, a trait that, that's going to help move your whole group forward over time it really changes how they view that group and Mm -hmm. and and it is so different i think than a non-gamified class where you're kind of all in it for yourself and then you get these like group projects thrown at you but in the end you're still just in it for yourself um it's just i don't know it's more authentic of an experience and all all in all a better experience yeah and like the community the sense of community that happens in your classroom when you add gamification is really cool too. Like it, it really is like once they walk through the door, it's just a whole different experience than in a non-gamified classroom where they just come in and sit down. Like we had last year, they come in and they do like a handshake with their country. And that was just a really good bonding, you know, greeting kind of experience. So we incorporated that in this year too. Um, so they, they love that. And just, had them build their backstory. So that was kind of like working together and nice. they, um, they randomly got assigned roles this year. Last year we kind of had them like within their group decide. And this year we just had a random person end up being the captain because these positions are going to move. And, um, then the captain without speaking to anyone had to assign the other people in their ship, these roles, temporary roles you know but it, it was just kind of fun switching it up instead of having it kind of turn into a popularity contest so it was just more chance instead of well i think i should be the vice because i'm your best friend you know kind of thing sure so, that's so nice 
Yeah, lots of things you learn the first time that you change up the second time, and it's okay to do that, I think. I agree, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to hearing more about it. But we are out of time, believe it or not. No way. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. It just zips on by. So now we have reflection time. I am really excited to hear what you think about today's quote. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. This one is from the internet. There is no author. It says, one day or day one, you decide. That's funny. I actually turned that quote into an Adobe Spark image a long, long time ago. Um, I love that quote, but I think that's just with starting anything. You just do it. You know, when it feels right, you just jump in and don't think about it. So I like that. I think for me, that quote just really speaks to if you have an idea, like try to actuate that idea as soon as possible. You know, uh, I don't know. We're so good at delaying things and then we just keep adding to that delay. And if you have the ability, if it's something you can, can realize, do it. Make today day one. Yeah, and I talked to my students about that actually just recently about how really anything in life is just deciding that you want it and just putting in the work and it'll happen. Like regardless of what your parents did or what your friends did, if if it's what you want. And actually the guy, the maze drawer um, artist kind of sparked that conversation because he talked about how he started doing this when he was seven and none of his friends did it. It was just something that kind of spoke to him, but he did it anyway, even though maybe they thought it was silly or whatever, you know, and look where it got him. So instead of putting it off and not doing it because it wasn't cool or whatever, and, you know, you guys can go to college. You can be anything that you want to be. You just have to decide that you're going to do it and surround yourself with the people that are going to put you there. So Agreed. It's super important. Uh, fully believe all that. Well, I have to say thank you so much for joining us today, Kim. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure, and I am excited, everyone, if you're still out there listening, to announce that uh, Hive Summit is going to return for a brief encore. More information will be coming out about that. Uh, if you want, That's exciting. I know. If you want to be a part of sort of its, its relaunch there, uh, make sure you're on the Hive Summit mailing list. And you can do that by just going to hivesummit.org and signing up and everybody as always thanks so much for listening and learning and playing with us each and every week it's truly an honor i enjoy it and hope that you have a good good week